0: Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey, guys and gals out in Radioland. Welcome to another episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Sam with
1: Bowser Consulting. And I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting.
0: On this episode, I really have no idea where we're going to go because in our many hours of pre-show prep, Drew said, So many days. I've got an idea. And I thought to myself, I think I'd just rather respond to it while we're recording than hear what his idea is. So, so with that said, um, Drew.
1: Well, first, I have a bone to pick, Sam.
0: Um, okay. Short rib?
1: Spare, oh, rib. spare ribs. Baby back ribs. Oh. Radio Land. Really. Radio Land. Podland? It's a podcast. There's there's no one listening to us on the radio. Now wait a second. As cool as that would be.
0: Is it a podcast, or did we learn uh, from the cool kids that it's just a pod?
1: Just a pod. It's still not radio.
0: Okay, so so let's get into this. So um could you please open the pod bay doors, Hal?
1: I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal?
0: This mission is too important for me to allow you to
1: jeopardize it. It's awesome.
0: All right, what's what's going through that uh, pretty little head of yours, Drew?
1: Oh, pretty little head! Wow, you're feeling generous today. All right, so in our in our day's worth of show prep. Where you and I were on the Zoom call for three and four straight days, no sleep, no food, no leaving, just figuring out how we could deliver the best possible free content to all the fabulous listeners.
0: In Podland.
1: In Podland. You had mentioned how occasionally you get distracted. And that sometimes sitting at your desk, it's really hard to do what's needed to do because there's tabs that call your name. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm right there with you. Right there with you. I'm building content for um, better shifts today, which officially launched this past Monday. All the content uh, first round is done. I'm building content for a client for their classroom. I get it. Like there's a moment where all of a sudden I just can't anymore and the brain just doesn't function, but same we're desk jockeys, right? Like at the heart of it, what we do is a lot of desk work, whether it's calling clients or building content, whenever we get out to see clients, it's awesome, but it's actually not the majority of our time. Here's what I was thinking. I bet our average listener, whether general manager, district manager, or franchisee, has these same exact distraction moments and that they have a laundry list of stuff they want to get done. And when they look at it, they're like, nah, bro, TikTok's better today. Or I'm not going to scrub the tiles in the back of the store. I'm going to scrub these three pans. I'm going to reorganize the front counter underneath. I'm going to do this thing that really doesn't matter in the bigger picture because I really don't want to approach the other thing. I just don't feel like it. today. How do you think, whether it's us talking about how we get undistracted or whether we're giving examples of how they can, how can our fabulous listeners pull themselves back into the thing they either don't want to do or they're just brain fried, just can't do it?
0: That's a fabulous question. In my leadership workshop, we show the old heavy big rocks thing. And he starts off by pouring in all the green pebbles into the bucket, all the little things that accumulate, all the distractions, all the checking out the gram, checking out Facebook, you know, video games that that last far longer than they should. If you want to maybe do things in your career, you know, as I look around my desk. I've just got all kinds of distractions. So I think for me, the first thing one has to do is eliminate distractions in their workspace. And then the second thing, and I did this yesterday because I was just, I was, oh my God, I was struggling so much. I mean, I sat at my desk for many hours and got many minutes worth of work done. (laughs) So at the end of the day, I said, You know, I'm coming up against the deadline. I've got a workshop coming up. I need to get this stuff done. I need to get stuff to the printer. I need to give the printer more than 37 minutes to get the job done.
1: Oh, no. 37 minutes is plenty.
0: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I mean, he's got the top notch equipment and certainly he has no other customers than me. So I made myself a list of things that needed to get done. And for me, what is really satisfying is when you look at that list and you can physically cross something off i feel like i've got something done and the only thing that's on my list are big rocks like nowhere on my list does it say check facebook and you know nowhere on my list does it say go get a candy bar
1: now interestingly along those lines on mine on my list i actually do have When to post on LinkedIn or post on Facebook, because I schedule that. Otherwise I forget to. Yeah. And
0: I hear where you're going with that. And I think that's important to be on your list because from
1: our standpoint,
0: check me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're posting on Facebook is not what the typical Facebook user is posting. You're posting things to drive your business. Correct. So those are actually big rocks. Correct. You know, for me, when I get onto Facebook, other than when I do my Monday evening carpet bombing, um, I'm just seeing what's going on in the world. Yeah. For the pod, the pod, carpet bombing, carpet pod bombing. What about you, man? What uh, what keeps you on track? Maybe I can learn something here today and finish my work.
1: I'll tell you, in over the years, I have struggled with with a system that works. As you know, I'm not an Apple guy. I'm a I'm a Microsoft guy. So I use like Outlook and and tasks and OneNote and and I've gone back and forth on. On I am not a checklist guy. I give checklists and I create checklists and I train to checklist. But using one myself on a daily basis drives me nuts. And
0: what drives you nuts about
1: it? It's just tedious. I went away from the checklist for a while and was just doing what's called time boxing. So in, in for our listeners, um, when you're time boxing, instead of taking the time to write out a checklist or a to-do list, you take the time to just schedule time to do the thing you're, you need to do. And I was following that for a while, but I noticed that to your point, I was getting a couple of the big rocks, but I was still missing some stuff. It's nuts. Right now, the last three weeks as I've been home building content, probably six to 10 hours a day. I've actually fallen into this uh, program, Microsoft planner. It allows me to put the big rock on paper. It allows me to put a couple little things I've got to do in there. It allows me to put a start date and end date allows me to assign myself. And that's the part for me that I like is that it emails me each morning. and says, Hey.
0: So food for thought, because I just, I just Googled time boxing and uh, it looks very interesting without, digging deep into it. And obviously I just Googled it. So I don't have an understanding of it, not even a surface level understanding of it. But as I'm looking at some of these images and I'm hearing you describe it, to me, it sounds exactly like a list only in more depth because you've taken the time to think about the things that need to get done. And then you've taken it the next step and thought about, how long will it take me to do these things? And then you've put them in a slot on your day. So help me understand how that's, how that's not just a list on steroids. Uh, And when I say a list, it's a better list.
1: It it is a list on steroids, but, but to your point, you're like, uh, I get this joy out of crossing something off. I actually don't have a whole lot to cross off right now because it all ends up on my calendar And like today, you and I were talking about when to meet, but we hadn't locked in a time, right? (laughs) Yeah. I have seven hours of today, time boxed out. Cool. No worries. I know what the big rocks are. So I I moved the slightly less bigger rock to tomorrow and, and fit this in. And that's where I can look at it and go, okay, you know, I'm supposed to review content with a client tomorrow. That's very clearly a big rock. It is urgent and it's important i'd like to get paid so that's today after we're done recording whereas the other pieces like laying out phase two of um my better than yesterday university the better teams today stuff that part can go to tomorrow because the only deadline i have is me it's like that kind of thinking where it's not a to-do list it's it's my calendar and it i don't know it It just helped me more than a to do list because I could see the to do list and be like, holy crap, I have 97 things to do very quickly. I can end up listening to a New York Rangers podcast for a half hour instead because, oh my God, 97 things. I don't know where to start. But on my calendar, on my calendar, I have one thing.
0: I think what I hear you saying is you're trying to manage the fact that we all have x time in a day there's no such thing as time management 60 seconds in a minute 60 minutes in an hour 24 hours in a day
1: right it's actually distraction management
0: you're managing your tasks in a way that allow you to feel victory at the end of the day because you knew how much you knew how much time there was to a lot to work and you knew what had to get done and you planned it out so let's take this to the next level for our listeners, because um, I think this pod is for them, not, not just for us trying to figure out how we can stop being distracted.
1: Dual purpose, Sam. Dual purpose.
0: If I'm a general manager today, Drew, and I am thinking about jumping into this time boxing, what kinds of things should I be thinking about as I go into my shift today that I need to set aside a block of time for? What what kinds of things do I need to make sure that? Oh, I don't know. Gets done once a week. Things that need to get done three times a week. You know what? What kinds of things should I be time boxing?
1: If I were a franchisee today, explaining to my team, setting that expectation to my team, I would absolutely have them as managers and even assistant managers. I would have them fill out their day in this style. Big Rock wise, I'd start with the things that matter to the business, right? Every day. Let's, let's say I'm opening, right? Every day. I'm going to need a time, a block of time to get the store open. I'm going to need a block of time to prep. And I'm probably going to need a block of time where I shouldn't really schedule anything. Cause I'm probably going to be busy. Is that fair? I like that. But if you think about opening that way, there's probably a couple of half hours, three or four half hour chunks where you don't have anything. And I would say that's what I would go after. I would, I would completely say, listen, here's the deal. Nine to 10, you're just opening the store. Don't worry about building a schedule or making a food order. Just open the store. From 11.30 to 1, don't worry about anything other than handling the customers. And from 2 to 4, don't worry about anything other than getting the prep done for the dinner rush. I would just block those out. And if you can make it faster because you understand where your business is at, fabulous. If it's got to be longer, fabulous. But like, just generally speaking. And then I would say, okay, you've got a couple half hour windows. I'd say pick two on your weekends, pick three during your weekdays and use those 30 minute windows to improve something. I would probably in the beginning of the week, say one of those has to be around your schedule. And then the other two have to be something around do probably one for the store and one for the team.
0: So let's say that I'm sitting down to make my schedule for next week. Has it been your experience that The majority of the time, people that are making their schedule, especially if they're the general manager and they've got full availability, that they schedule themselves last and fill in holes.
1: That's what I have found. Uh, I can tell you, I actually preach the exact opposite. Okay, good. I used to think that way.
0: We're on the same
1: page. I totally used to think that way. And if you're understaffed, I understand why you would think that way.
0: The listeners know because we've said it a bazillion times, we spent a lot of time in Salt Lake City. And one of the things that, one of the many things that I took away from Mike Rompel is that the general manager's got to protect the 40, the 40 hours where there's the most business and they should be there for those 40 hours. And I'm a firm believer in that. Now, when those 40 hours are to be completely different, depending on the type of store you have. They may be completely different in a residential store than they are in a campus store. And and certainly you know when they are. And if you don't, you can find them because there's data to back that up. But as I'm making the schedule, one of the things I would do, especially if I were going to jump into time boxing, and I think you should, is I would start time boxing things like making the schedule, making food orders putting the food order away when it comes in.
1: Actually, I actually heard that last week from a GM in Chattanooga. They have a second AM in three times a week. And I'm looking at the schedule. I'm like, so why do you do that? And they're like, because that person needs two hours to really put the truck up and date everything and rotate everything. So we just schedule it. and We're done.
0: If I'm a manager that's immediately thinking, well, that's going to be two extra hours of labor three times a week. I think my response would to that would be and I think it might be yours as well because I see your head shaking is that if I take the time to put the food order correctly I would consider that fire prevention so that I don't have to fight fires later and here's here's the upside and and Drew feel free to to add some more upsides if I miss any number one we're going to make sure that our food is rotated. So we're going to save on food waste because it's absolutely going to be FIFO, first in, first out. Number two, I could save 10 to 15 minutes per night doing inventory because the food is put away correctly and it's not all stacked in the corner. And then number three, the biggest one and the one that I think is the hardest to quantify, it's going to make my life easier because I don't have to dodge Dough that's not put in the right place in the walk-in, I don't have to go on a search and destroy mission in the walk-in cooler. So I think that's really, really important, and it's one of the things that um, Dave Chiaro's group in Ann Arbor used to do. I don't know if they still do it any longer, but they used to schedule that person to put the food away. And when I first saw it, I thought to myself, "This is crazy." Until I saw it, and then I thought, "This is amazing."
1: Now, now here's where I would take that one step further, right? I don't know in my current role how long it takes to put up a truck. I don't know if, if it's a $1,500 truck or a $4,000 truck, how much time difference that is. So I would say the second part of this time boxing is, and I know, I know everybody knows what this is, but they don't know what this is. The second part of the time boxing is heightened time awareness. Because I could schedule two hours to put the truck up, but it might only really take 45 minutes or I could schedule two hours to put the truck up and it really takes three.
0: We can't answer that for our listeners how long it takes because, A, we don't know how big your walk-in is or if you have two walk-ins or if you have three walk-ins. We don't know what your sales are.
1: Two trucks a week, three trucks a week. Yep, yep.
0: And we we don't know if this is a big truck, a medium-sized truck, or if all of your trucks are the same size, you've got to figure that out. And then you've got to make sure that you're time boxing the right size box.
1: Okay. But but now, but now, okay. District managers and franchisees that are listening, take this to the next logical step. If you... I'm your team across a couple stores, across a couple deliveries. You can get to a place where you know that every $500 a truck is 15 minutes. The math, the math is there.
0: And and you could have some generalities. Correct. And then you could dial it in based on your team's feedback. And I think it would be great if you're an above store leader to start with those generalities and also be willing to listen to the team's feedback so that they don't think you're giving them a box that's 60 minutes big and they need a box that's 75 minutes. Uh, You know, I think that collaboration when it comes to leadership and success is really important.
1: Now, I know right now there's like three or four franchisees who are probably texting or calling each other going, "Okay, how much labor could we actually save if we did this the right way?
0: And then here's the other thing that I think is really important about this. This time boxing is. You know, we talk about scheduling in some of my workshops, and I always ask people, how long does it take to make the schedule? And you get answers all over the board. And again, it's dependent on your store, it's dependent on your crew, it's dependent on their availability, are they flexible, are they not? Yada, 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 yada. So I've heard anywhere from 15 minutes to 10 hours. I don't think there's any wrong answers. Um, You know, if you're saying, oh my God, how can it possibly take 15 minutes? you probably don't have a schedule that is basically cut and paste every week because your sales are the same and your team is the same. If you're saying, oh my God, how does it take 10 hours? Then you've probably never been to Camp Pendleton where it takes two people to make the schedule. One does the inside and one does the drivers. You know, whatever your number is, your number is, but here's what I want you to take away from this segment of the pod is that if it takes you two hours to do the schedule, those two hours, are 120 minutes, whether they're on Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, or Monday. So why not get it done earlier in the week? Because if you get it done earlier in the week and, you know, to go back to this whole seven habits of highly effective people, and we talk about the quadrants. Oh,
1: wow. Nice. Nicely done.
0: Thank you. Then if we're doing the schedule in quadrant two, which is not urgent, but important, then we are in that planning stage and we can put more time into it and make sure that it's correct. Whereas if we wait until 10 minutes before our supervisor told us we had to have the schedule done, now we're in quadrant one. It's urgent and it's important. And I'm just going to say this out loud and some people are going to be offended, but um, here it goes. People that say that they work best under pressure, and that was me for most of my life, are kidding themselves. What's truth in that statement is maybe you've never missed a deadline. So you think that you're good under pressure. I think what you would find, though, is if you did some of these important things that you should be timeboxing in quadrant two instead of quadrant one, your work would be exceptionally better your schedule would be exceptionally better.
1: You said get the schedule done early in the week. I'm a huge fan of that. I would also add, we are talking about those, those little tiny minutes that you have, right? So if, if, if I don't have two hours or 10 hours to do the schedule, I don't need to do it all in one day. I can do 30 minutes here. I could do 30 minutes there. And I would also say to keep it in quadrant two, can we, can we please start to try to build schedules two weeks out?
0: Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. A thousand times. Yes.
1: Oh, my Lord. Like the number of stores I've been in in the last six months that build the schedule Friday for Monday is still insane. It's 2023, people. Holy cow.
0: Let's talk about the upside to having two weeks worth of schedules on your wall. Well, first, let's talk about the downsides, because, you know, there's folks out that are saying it'll never work because... Let's throw those because it's out there so people understand that yep. we're in touch with the real world. So I'll throw the first one and then you throw the second one and we'll keep playing until we're out. Ooh, okay. So the first one, Drew, if I put the schedule up two weeks out, then I'm going to have to adjust it 15 times in the next eight days.
1: Okay. If you put the schedule out Friday for next week, you only have to adjust it once, but your team's not going to show up.
0: Okay. One point for Drew.
1: I would much rather change the schedule than have people not show up. It's just me.
0: And, and the other thing I, I would say is that I think you are going to face that challenge for reals yeah. for the first couple of weeks. Once your yep. team adjusts to your new way, make, way of making schedules. Okay. So um, you throw a downside out. If you have one, if not, I've got another.
1: Oh, um, I'm drawing a blank right now. So go for it.
0: Drew, it takes me too long to make one schedule. Now you want me to make two schedules. What the heck?
1: I want you to get ahead. You're actually only making one schedule. Bingo. There'll be one week where you make two. Now, now, Sam, today I would, as a manager, I would do an A and a B schedule.
0: Okay. Tell me more.
1: To Mike's point of protect the 40, that's great. Nobody wants to work every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday in perpetuity. And I don't think Mike even wants people to work every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday in perpetuity. So I would do an A and a B. And and if if you're in a store where you've got a, a, a you're a manager and you've got a, a strong enough second on week A, I'm the Monday closer. I'm off Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday opener. And on week B, it flips. I hear you.
0: I'm getting the hebes and the jeebies. And here's why. OK, if I am a banker, my schedule is Monday through Friday. End of story.
1: Yeah, but you're guaranteed two days off every week, the same two days off every week.
0: That is correct. And I've got zero issue with being guaranteed two days off every week. And I think that we should be doing everything we can to identify and develop talent to put us in a position to have two days off a week. Yep. I also think that if we have chosen the restaurant business as our career, we need to understand that it's nights, weekends and holidays and, and not in perpetuity. I don't think anybody is a general manager forever. But I think while you're in that position of being a general manager, you've got to understand that that's part of the 40 that we protect with this caveat. Something comes up on any given Saturday, once every three, four, five, six months. Absolutely. The upside to being a general manager is you should be able to make your schedule. And the great thing is, you know, this is one of the things I loved about working at Domino's Pizza. There was rarely a dad in Emily's or Lucas's kindergarten, first, second grade class. And I could do it all the time because I could work my schedule around it. Yeah, And the banker can't. So, yeah, the banker gets weekends off all the time. But I love to play golf. And for those of you that have played golf, Saturdays and Sundays are a crappy time to play golf because... All the
1: bankers are out there
0: because all the bankers are out there and it's a six hour round of golf. I play golf on a Wednesday morning. I can get around 18 holes in two hours because nobody's playing. So I think we've got to understand that there's upsides and downsides. I don't think that taking a Friday or a Saturday off every now and again is forbidden, but I'd be in the camp of, you need to understand what you've signed up for in this business. And that's nights, weekends and holidays for the most part. All
1: right, Sam. We never we never talk sales numbers. That is correct. So let me let me be as general and specific as I can at the same time.
0: And I like where you're going with this because this helps me get out of my 40 year old
1: mindset. When were you a franchisee last again? A long, long time ago. I can still remember.
0: <laughs> last, <laughs> uh, I was last a franchisee. In 1999.
1: Fantabulous. All right. At that time, the average weekly unit sales were something like a little less than half of what they were today. Is that correct?
0: Far less than half.
1: Okay, cool. You would never skip a Friday because it was your busiest day.
0: That's correct. I I really like where you're going with this. I'm just going to say that before you even get there.
1: That volume that you did on Friday, your busiest day, what day would that be this week?
0: It would be a week Wednesday lunch. You know, that's a great point. And I think it's really important. I'm really glad you went that route because it helps folks that have been around the brand for a long time to get out of that mindset
1: please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that that as a manager, you should leave your store every Friday at five o'clock. I am saying that if you build an A and a B schedule and you open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this week and close Friday, Saturday, Sunday, next week, or your mids and you whatever, open Monday, get a schedule done and close on like whatever that is, right? It's an A and a B. And if that means that, wow, twice a month, you get to leave I'm picking a number here, Sam, at six o'clock on Saturday. Your store runs good numbers. Your service is great. your food's in line. No one should say no
0: and let's let's preface this, and you said it once, but I want to say it again because I think it's really important. You said, if you've got a strong number two, this a and B schedule thing doesn't work if you have not identified and developed a strong number two. I would say that the general manager's biggest rock, The thing that they should be most worried about is identifying and developing talent, especially if they have aspirations of moving to the next level. Because what makes somebody very promotable is that they've identified and trained their replacement.
1: In my time at corporate, I interviewed hundreds of people. For the MCO role in corporate, that's a manager of corporate operations.
0: Thanks for hitting us with that TLA.
1: I, I had to. The number one thing I looked for, because looking out over the supervisors that were successful, was that they built a team as a manager. I didn't need them to be the best manager. In fact, the best managers usually made the worst supervisors because they were 90 hours a week in their store all the time. And the only person that knew anything was the manager. And those are terrible supervisors.
0: That sounds like exactly what Patrick Doyle told us when we talked to him on an earlier episode.
1: Correct. We can talk about big rocks. There's things you need, like time boxing and the Eisenhower priority box, seven habits of of highly effective people, right? They're two separate things, but they kind of work together. Because every day I have something that's urgent and important, right? Every day, if if I'm opening, I have to get the store open by 10 a.m or 1030, whenever it is I open, right? I've got to get that store open by then. So I have all these things I have to do, urgent and important. I don't think we put enough on the rush, but there's things I have to do to be ready for the rush to make the rush as smooth and as easy as possible. We tend to look for that strong number two when our current strong number two has put in their notice or gotten promoted, making it urgent and important. Whereas if you just do it and schedule it when it's only important and it's not urgent the ability to find that person and really train that person as opposed to well they're the last person left i can promote changes the game completely
0: so let's um let's go sports ball on this so we we like football (sighs) please don't so as soon as you're please don't pretty pretty much please do no no we're gonna we're we're gonna do this please don't
1: because you don't even i am internally already in pain from where you're about to go and I, I'm hoping you don't go this route, but I,
0: no, 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 I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna swing any sledgehammers your way, okay. but I'm going to use football as, as my, as my example here.
1: Okay. Cause I could totally, I mean, this could be about the jets very quickly,
0: but go ahead. Yeah. Well, it, it could be about any team. And I think, I think the team it's best about is the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs>
1: okay. I like you more right now. I like you more.
0: I think every NFL team goes into the season with three quarterbacks. And as soon as the first quarterback goes down, they start hunting immediately for their next third string quarterback, even though they have two more, because if they don't, they end up in the last game of the season without a quarterback that can throw the ball because they've been injury laden. So if we wait until the second half of the game to find our quarterback when our first three have gone down, we're going to lose the game and our season is over. And the same thing is true. If you've got a strong number two right now, you should be looking for a strong number three, four, and five. Because here's what's going to happen, gang. You are always going to be a victim of your success in this business because as soon as you have a strong number two two, if your franchisee is looking to grow the brand, they are going to come take your strong number two and make them a strong number one somewhere, and you will have to start again. That should be good for you. Not, oh my God, I trained somebody and you take them. Every time you train somebody, get this through your head. Somebody's going to take them sooner or later if they're trying to grow the business.
1: The last store I was a GM at, I went to my supervisor. I... I was never a GM for more than like six to nine months. And I was in this store. like month seven.
0: So you couldn't keep a job.
1: Oh, they would, I would fix the store. I would train somebody up and they'd send me to the next.
0: I gotcha. I'm just trying to be funny. I know know you are.
1: Just, it just failed miserably. I went to my supervisor. I was the highest volume store in the, uh, franchise at the time. And I went to him. I'm like, Hey, can you do me a favor? He's like, what? Like you have taken 11 assistant managers from me in like five months. Cause the first six weeks I didn't have anybody like, can, can you stop for just a week? Can I get a day off? So yeah, this has been going on forever and
0: will continue to go on forever.
1: Correct. Cause that's the nature of the business.
0: Let's get into final approach and let's wrap up what we've talked about for the listeners, because I think we could talk forever on this. We'll pick it up again in, in another episode coming up, give the listeners a synopsis on time boxing, how it's going to help them and why they should be doing some sort of task management.
1: Timeboxing takes your checklist, your priority list, your to-do list, whatever you want to call it, and your schedule and combines them into one thing. It helps you move your business and your abilities forward faster because instead of taking additional time to list out everything and figure out the priority, you're just putting it in your schedule the second it comes across. And and it ends up saving you time and brain power because you don't have to worry about prioritizing everything. You just have to do the next thing. That's time boxing in a nutshell.
0: I love it. If you're a manager and you're overwhelmed, if you're a manager and you have far too many things on your to-do list, try time, time boxing for a bit and see if that helps you feel more successful at the end of your days. Unless, like, oh, I got three things done, but there's still 73 on my to-do list. If there were three time boxes on your day and you got through all three, I'd call that a win.
1: Ooh, freaking raw. Yep. Ooh,
0: freaking raw.
1: This is an infinite game, Sam. We're in it till we run out of resources or will.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's awesome. All right, cool, gang. Hey, listen, this has been another wonderful episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Sam with Fowser
1: Consulting. And I believe that I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting.
0: Do us a favor and share these episodes with your friends if you like them. If you don't, then um, share them with your enemies. Uh, like us on, on the Facebook and subscribe. If you have subscribed and you haven't yet gotten a just amazing limited edition Drew and Sam Talk Training hat pin, Post a picture that you've subscribed. Let me know and I'll get you one of those out there. And uh, as always, as we land this plane, go out and sell more pizza. Hey, have more fun.
1: Bye-bye.